Willkommen, bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Serafina. How are we doing? I hope this episode of The Musical Man finds you well. I am coming to you from my brand new home city of Minneapolis. Patty and Benny are on Zoom with me right now. It is very difficult to process the idea that we are not at the stage left studio. I feel like I, I was just getting my, my feet warm at the roasty toasty fire that was the stage left studio. But I, I have to I have to just really push forward, push through this. Moving is moving is difficult. And if you have recently moved, I just need you to know that it's going to take time for you to feel comfortable and truly at home in that new place. It's going to be a transition, and it's not going to be an easy transition necessarily. There will be highs, and there will be lows. Yes, I miss Patty and Benny. My God, of course I do. I I have their faces right in front of me. They're waving at me. They're blowing me kisses. All right, too intimate. This is a professional setting. My God, when when the mic microphone is turned off. We can blow each other kisses then. Okay. All right. All right. But yes, I'm here in Minneapolis. If you happen to hear any sort of ambient public transportation noise in the background, I would encourage you to do what I am telling myself to do, which is lean into it. Just to know that that is part of the overall soundscape, and after a while, you won't even notice it. You won't, okay? Let's get the show facts regarding Serafina. Show me the show facts, okay? All right, it's been a few weeks, right? I, I don't feel all that rusty, though. I feel like I'm really, oh, I'm in fighting shape. Yeah, yeah, let's go, Showfax. I'm here for you. I'm ready for you. Okay, let's do it. I will say this right up top. Serafina was first produced in 1987 at the Market Theater in Johannesburg, South Africa. Based on the info at my disposal, I do believe most, if not all, of the Johannesburg cast 
made the transition to Broadway. Serafina was ultimately a 1988 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on January 28, 1988 at the Court Theater and ran for 597 performances. Book, music, and lyrics are provided by Mongeni Gema. Additional numbers were provided by Hugh Masakala. Remember this name for later. Put a pin in Hugh's name for me, okay? All right. The director is Mongeni Gema, musical director N.A. I was not able to confirm a musical director, but we have orchestrations. Oh, well, I should say music arranged by Mongeni Gema and Hugh Masakala. Okay, so music arranged by, that sounds about us. That sounds simultaneous, simultaneous, equal to orchestrations. Yes, you'd think after all of this time I would be a little bit more confident in that assertion. Choreographer Indaba Malongo, scenic design Sarah Roberts, lighting design Manny Manim, sound design Tom Source, costume design Sarah Roberts. And the original Broadway cast of Serafina was as follows. Baby Sili, Dumasani Delamini, Kumbuzili Delamini, Lindwi Delamini, Ntumkona Delamini, Congo Hadibi Tamsaka Hilatuweo Lindiwi Helengwa Liliti Kumalo Siboniso Kumalo Malati Kuzweo Tandani Mavabela Nonalaha Mambabo Linda Mahuno Pat Malaba Nandi Nilavu Nihalana Nagema Tandiki Nihalanala Cosmas Sitol Kipizani Sikaweya Harrison White Vanessa Williams, not that Vanessa Williams, no, 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 a different, separate Vanessa Williams. And finally, rounding out to the cast, we have Tondi Zulu. As always, I do apologize for any mispronunciations of first or last names. I do try my best, but I believe mistakes are inevitable. I try my best. Tony nods. Okay, we have nominations. Unfortunately, no wins for Serafina at the Tony Awards. We have five nominations in total. Best Musical, Best Original Score, a nomination that applies to Mungeni Gema and Hugh Masakala, Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Laliti Kumalo, Best Choreography in Daba Malongo, and Best Direction of a Musical, of course, Mungeni Gema. Five nominations, as I said, unfortunately, zero awards when all was said and done. A little ridiculous, if you ask me. I can't believe that it was a shutout. That is very shocking to me. It is now time to talk about the plot of Serafina, but before we do that, I do want to provide a content warning for anyone who may not be familiar with Serafina. This, this show involves a lot of violence, a lot of violence inflicted upon children, brutal cop violence, shootings in schools, so I just need you to know that in advance, just in case if you need to prepare yourself for that, take a moment to do that, and now we will move into that plot summary. Yes? Yes. Okay. The characters who populate Serafina are keenly aware of the 1976 Soweto Uprising. This series of political demonstrations took place in Soweto, a township within the city of Johannesburg that is itself located within South Africa's Gauding province. Between 10 and 20,000 students took part in the uprising, which fought against the inclusion of the West Germanic Afrikaans language in their schools. The Afrikaans Medium Decree of 1974 declared Afrikaans and English were to be taught in equal proportions, but many black citizens associated Afrikaans with apartheid, the institutionalized racial segregation that had been a part of South African life since 1948, they argued, rightly, that the government's decree prioritized colonizer languages so as to marginalize and eradicate local languages like Zulu. 
Black heritage was at stake. It was on the line, and the students of Soweto were not willing to give it up without a fight. Side note, English had largely been accepted as a major language in South Africa to a degree that Afrikaans was quickly becoming irrelevant. The government's decree sought to counteract that shift in the culture and ensure Afrikaans remained a fixture in schools, even if no one saw any value in it. The logic of racism at work, am I right? Another huge component of South African activism in this era was the 1962 imprisonment of Nelson Mandela, who fought against apartheid and received a life sentence for his efforts. Mandela's freedom was a point of contention for nearly three decades and, along with the subject of Afrikaans, a vital part of the Soweto uprising. The uprising was not a one-issue demonstration, is what I mean to say, very complex, the uprising. On the morning of June 16, 1976, students and teachers left their respective schools and began marching towards the Orlando Stadium, where a rally was set to take place. The police blocked the march at several points, when students were forced to kill a police dog that had been set upon them, Officers responded by opening fire. 15-year-old Hastings Indolovu and 11-year-old Hector Peterson were among the first to be killed. June 17th saw the arrival of 1,500 additional officers and soldiers in Soweto. Armed to the teeth with automatic rifles, stun guns, and carbines, they proceeded to roam the streets in armored vehicles and patrol the skies from helicopters. Doctors were ordered to provide the names of anyone who arrived at their hospitals with bullet wounds. They refused, recording the bullet wounds as abscesses so as to protect the demonstrators. The official body count of the uprising is listed as 176, though many have estimated the actual figure to be around 700 or more. The government's actions in Soweto prompted outrage throughout South Africa, inspiring more student protests as well as a series of worker strikes. Nearly all of these demonstrations were met with violence from the government. On June 19, 1976, the UN Security Council passed Resolution 392, which formally condemned these repressive tactics. And though tempers had cooled somewhat by the end of the year, South Africans would feel the aftershocks of the Soweto uprising for generations to come. As mentioned previously, the characters who populate today's subject know all about the Soweto uprising. This is a different and presumably modern, mid to late 1980s, class of students, but the problems they face, apartheid, Afrikaans, the imprisonment of Nelson Mandela, remain unresolved. I should say that while Serafina is rooted in historical events, its characters are fictional. A teenager known as Colgate introduces himself as our narrator. Colgate attends Morris Isaacson High School, where the Soweto Uprising was organized. We meet a number of Colgate's peers, including Teaspoon, the resident gossip, Stamella, whose nickname, Express to Soweto, advertises a love for trains, and Serafina, the most beloved girl in her class. Serafina does not have a nickname. Colgate has a dazzling smile, which is why everyone calls him Colgate. You get it, that tracks. There's another student named Crocodile who likes Serafina, which is essentially the, the beginning and end of his arc, but I'm not sure why why his nickname is Crocodile. Dumasani Delamini, who plays Crocodile in both the stage and film versions of the musical, sports a thin stripe of a mohawk, and I suppose a thin mohawk might call to mind the image of a crocodile or maybe a crocodile's tail. Look, I do not have all of the answers, okay? The students are taught by Mistress It's a Pity, so named for her tendency to sigh, it's a pity, at random moments throughout the day. 
A lesson on the William Wordsworth poem, Westminster Bridge, prompts Seraphina to ask why anyone would need to learn about a city in England that has nothing to do with South Africa. The mistress sighs, it's a pity! Seraphina's favorite subject in school is history because it allows them to discuss what is not in their textbooks, the injustices black South Africans encounter on a daily basis. The mistress is no mouthpiece for the government, okay? She speaks the truth. Serafina rallies her peers for a political chant. Quote, Nelson Mandela is a hero. We know the government is shit. Quote, Serafina's actions eventually earn her a two-month stint in prison. Upon returning to class, she proudly displays the whip scars on her back for all to see, encouraging her friends to remain strong in the face of pain. The mistress poses a question to the class. Who can tell me the name of an oil-producing country? Several correct answers are offered, including Angola, Nigeria, and Libya. A policeman on patrol overhears this reference to Libya and becomes enraged. He berates and strikes the mistress, accusing her of spreading communist propaganda. For context, Libya and its leader, Muammar Gaddafi, were notably anti-apartheid and therefore viewed as enemies of South Africa. The class objects to the officer's abuse and he proceeds to open fire, killing several students in the process. Those who manage to survive grieve the loss of their friends at a funeral soon thereafter. A priest delivers a careworn yet passionate eulogy, quote, God has given and the police have taken. What has happened to these children is not the unusual. The nation is in the grave. The nation is blowing in the wind. America and Britain have sold too many guns to the South African government to kill our children. Quote, I have no idea how this show was produced in South Africa or how it managed to leave South Africa for the purposes of moving to Broadway. As Chris pointed out, it would be like the Bolshoi Theater leaving Russia to mount an anti-Soviet production, the Red Poppy in reverse, if you will. Can you tell I've skimmed a Britannica article on this on Russian ballet in the Soviet era? I did, I did, I did. As Act 2 begins, the students prepare to demonstrate as their predecessors did back in 1976. Simultaneously, the mistress calls upon the children to produce the end-of-year show, an annual tradition at Morris Isaacson High. The students resolve to write a musical pageant about Nelson Mandela, one that depicts his release from prison and return to the people. Serafina, having proven her anti-apartheid credentials time and again, easily secures the part of Mandela. We learn about another of Serafina's heroes, real-life attorney and activist Victoria McKengi. McKengi famously defended a black woman who had been raped by a white man. In the past, the white man would have been acquitted without a second thought, but McKengi invoked South Africa's Immorality Act, which declared interracial relations were illegal. In doing so, McKengi won the case for her client. The rape, as well as McKengi's murder at the hands of four white men, are reenacted by the class, causing Serafina to experience a breakdown. Note, Victoria McKengi's funeral, which took place on August 11, 1985, was attended by more than 10,000 people. Nelson Mandela sent a letter of consolation to McKengi's family, 
and the demonstrations that followed her funeral resulted in nine deaths. Dozens of students are imprisoned. We're back in the plot now. Dozens of students are imprisoned by the police as a result of their organizing efforts. As Colgate describes it, quote, those were the days of anger, of panic, and fear, the days when our brothers and sisters disappeared into the police cells. Others came back, and others never came back. Quote, the students are beaten, starved, and electrocuted for days or weeks at a time before eventually being released. Despite these terrible setbacks, the children of Morris Isaacson High successfully managed to produce their end-of-year show, which not only calls for Nelson Mandela's release, but protests the oppressive language of Afrikaans. The students proclaim that, quote, freedom is coming tomorrow, quote, for those who are willing to fight for it. An epilogue for you, additional context, Nelson Mandela was released from prison in 1990, two years after Serafina premiered on Broadway. Apartheid legislation was repealed on June 17, 1991, over four decades after it was introduced. And in 1994, Mandela became the president of South Africa in the nation's first fully representative democratic election. June 16th, the first day of the Soweto uprising, as a reminder, has since been declared Youth Day in honor of the student demonstrators who were killed. For the purposes of this week's episode, I began by listening to the 1987 original Johannesburg cast album of Serafina, which I would very much recommend. I believe you can find it on Spotify, but I do not think that you can buy it digitally. I believe I had to download that album from archive.org. So uh, just as a reference for you, if you're looking to add that to your collection, I then followed followed that with the 1988 documentary Voices of Serafina, which chronicles the transition of the show from Johannesburg to New York, Broadway. The documentary, I should say, is directed by Nigel Noble. We're going to play a series of clips from the documentary right here and now. In the first half of this clip, writer-director Mongani Gema and a member of the Serafina cast provide more context on the language of Afrikaans. Some of this info goes against what I stated earlier, which I pulled from Wikipedia, but I would like to think the experiences of black South Africans should take precedence over a Wikipedia article. Wikipedia, you know, Wikipedia is not the end-all be-all source, of course, and in the second half of this clip you're about to hear, a white American teacher encourages the cast of Serafina to discuss the education they received in South Africa, which inspires another member of the cast to offer their own perspective on Afrikaans. So this clip package that you're about to hear is really all about the subject of Afrikaans. Patty, Benny, let's play that first set of clips. They made the language Afrikaans, which is the white man's language in that country, an official language, first of all, and secondly, that every subject should be in Afrikaans. So everything that was in English, they wanted it to be in Afrikaans. And the kids said, how could we learn Afrikaans? How are we going to communicate with the rest of the world if we don't know English? If we have to do mathematics in Afrikaans, history in Afrikaans, and, and, and all the biology, physical science, you name it, in Afrikaans, where if I want to go to Oxford University, what's going to happen to me? This Afrikaans language, is they call it Afrikaans. It's an European language. Now the government said you must speak this language and write it, and it's going to be your medium of instruction in all subjects. And the student leader, they said, no, you can't speak this thing. I can't do biology in Afrikaans, because to start with, I can't write it. How, how am I going to understand it? The government said you must speak it, and you must write it. 
a student visa said, oh, come on, chance. Now, that's why it leads everything to the 1976 riots. How many of you think that the education that you had was not very good? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you think the education that you had in South Africa was not very good, raise your hand. Why not? What was wrong with it? They call this education to be made slaves of white people in South Africa. Why do they say so? It's because they want us to know Africans or only to speak Africans because the whole world is using English as the official language. Then they do not want us to communicate with the outside world, but they want us to be limited within South Africa, within their bounds. If I may level a criticism against this documentary, I would point out how it never identifies any of the actors with on-screen title cards. We never see their names on screen. Mongani Gema receives a title card, but everyone else is basically rendered nameless, and that's pretty frustrating. I gotta say, I don't like referencing the actors as the actors. Oh, this actor. Oh, that actor. I want, I want to know their names, okay? Just, you threw it up, you put that up there on screen for the director and the creator of the show. Why not these young actors? Uh. The actor you would have heard toward the end of that clip set who, who's speaking to the New York American teacher, that actor's perspective on Afrikaans is consistent with that of Duma Nidolovu, who provided program notes for Serafina's Broadway playbill. Per those notes, quote, In 1954, Heinrich Vunward, then the South African Minister of Native Affairs, later the Prime Minister, designed a system of education as a part of his, quote, blueprint for apartheid, quote, which laid the foundation for, quote, separate development, quote. Now, in this moment, I should say I'm going to break away from the quote. There is, there is a slur here, B-A-N-T-U. I don't want to say that out loud. I don't want to say it in full because it is a slur, as will be established here by these notes. But B-A-N-T-U education is a system designed to, quote, teach black people to become better servants for white people. B-A-N-T-U, that term is an offensive term, according to these notes, roughly equivalent to the N-word. By the mid-1960s, B-A-N-T-U education had become a pervasive element in South African life. Whites retained the best system with mandatory and free education for children until they finished high school. Indians and people of mixed race, the so-called coloreds, had the next best system of education. At the bottom of the ladder were the Africans, for whom education was neither mandatory nor free. Less than 2% of all black students who started school made it to university, and a very small percentage of them got their degrees. Okay, so that's me quoting from those program notes. Back to the, these documentary observations, okay? I want to talk about creator and director Gema. Okay, Gema mentions how he cast Serafina by meeting with over 700 South African students. He goes into this in the documentary. We don't have the audio for that, but he talks about it. He talks about how none of these, none of these young people had previous onstage experience. They had never acted before. That figure, 700, doesn't really surprise me. You know, you're, you're casting a big show. You would want to cast a wide net, sure. And, and, I'm, and I'm not surprised that Gamma's interest in working with non-actors was a part, of this, a part of this whole process because, you know, if you want to go for authenticity, I, I understand that. What does surprise me is how those students lived in Gamma's house. He talks about this. They lived in his house for three months so he could get to know them better. 
I was willing to chalk this up to cultural differences, but, but it wound up being the first of three major red flags. So be on the lookout for the other two, okay? Okay, we're going to play another clip from the documentary. This next clip addresses the issue of black pain and how the black citizens of South Africa processed that pain in the face of police brutality. Patty, Benny, let's play that clip. It's okay, mister. We can go back to class. At home, there is that thing that even the police can beat you, beat you very hard, that we, you, you can say that you, you can't do anything. You just say, you just laugh. It's that you take the pain as, as nothing. You just laugh and say, ah, this police. But you know that you are not really laughing. It's a black love. Mm. Just say, yeah. You just say, this police. But <laughs> you just pass it as there's nothing happening. Yeah. That's okay means a lot. A lot. Because they beat Sarafina. Just say, it's okay. You can go back to class. Thank you very much, Patty and Benny. And in our final clip, let's get this ready. Internationally renowned singer, songwriter, actor, and anti-apartheid activist Miriam Makeba, or Mama Africa as she was known to her fans, addresses the tearful cast of Serafina after attending one of their performances in New York. In the 1950s, Makeba found success in South Africa as a singer before appearing in the 1959 anti-apartheid film Come Back Africa. This led to even greater success in countries like Italy, England, and America, but when she attempted to return to South Africa in 1960 for her mother's funeral, she discovered her passport had been canceled. Makeba lived in exile for the next 30 years of her life, returning to South Africa just just four months after Nelson Mandela was released from prison in 1990. At the time this documentary would have been filmed, Makeba had every reason to believe she might die in exile. And she goes into that. Let's play that clip now. This is a very special moment for us tonight because she's been away from us for 27 years. All these kids that you saw on stage today have never seen her. This is the first time they are laying eyes on her. Most of them have just heard of her, have heard her music, have heard their parents talk about her. And next to Nelson Mandela, for us, in fact, on par with Nelson Mandela, she's the biggest thing that ever walked the soil in South Africa. So today, I'd like to formally introduce the lady who paved the way for all of us as African people in terms of music, in terms of pol politics, in terms of hairstyles, in terms of political consciousness, in terms of anything. Our mother, our leader, uh, we call her Mama Zenzi, Mama Africa, Miriam Makeba. And the I'd like to thank you very much, everyone who has come to support this show in supporting these children in this show you are supporting us as a people in south africa we thank you very much and you Duma, Joe, thank you for all you've done to bring these children whom i never thought i would see and to you please keep up the good work I can 
maybe even die in exile today. <laughs> but I'll be very happy. I will die happy knowing that you will continue to do all that. I started doing spreading the message through your music and your lovely voices to the world, telling them and showing them that we are a proud people and that we are, in fact, a struggling people and that we will win our independence and will be free like all other people in the world. I'm very proud of you, and I'm so, so happy to meet you today. And Kitanda Zabapans, which Babena, Babena Tisong, we will make it. Voices of Serafina is available in full via YouTube, though the upload, I should say, features poor audio and a fairly disorienting compression effect. The visuals are all over the place. You can tell that the compression really did a number on the source material. I would recommend using headphones while trying to ignore these visual issues as best you can. Because the documentary is very good, it captures a lot of segments from the Broadway production that deserve to be seen. I just wish we had a better, crisper uh, we need to do a restoration. I think a restoration is in order for this documentary. Okay, let's keep moving with my sources. I listened to the 1988 original Broadway cast album of Serafina. We'll be hearing a lot from that today. And I found the 1988 original Broadway playbill. It's only available in full via the Smithsonian's website. Playbill.com? No. They do not have it in full. They only have one single page. One page. What the heck is going on over there, Playbill.com? You want to get together maybe with the Smithsonian so that you can share resources? Your playbill.com. Here, okay, so I want to quote from the author's note by Mangani Gema, okay? This is, this is the creator and director of the show talking about how the show came to be. I think this is important context, and I want to share that with you. So, quote, I find myself sitting next to Harry Belafonte at SOB's New York City Club one evening. We give each other the thumb slack shake, the West African finger pop. The music commences, and once more we are moving and swaying, wiggling, shuffling, and stomping with the rhythms of Mbakanga, the sound from the townships of South Africa. That evening I began to jot down notes about an idea of a new show that celebrates Mbakanga music. The very same year I come to my big buddy, Manny Manim. I sell the idea of a musical with Mbakanga music. Manny's bites it, but finally we could not raise 300000 to do it. We shelve it. I meet with Greg Mosier, artistic director of the Lincoln Center in New York. We discuss my new idea of a musical over a glass of tequila. Great! We are in unison. I leave New York. I sit here with anti-apartheid activist and politician Winnie Mandela, and we discuss politics, Reagan, Thatcher, Castro, the Middle East, and the killing of the children in townships. We discuss the positiveness and the power in the eyes of those children in the streets of the townships. I immediately decide the musical should not only celebrate Mbakanga music, but also the power of the children. September 1986, Hugh Masakala and I start the demos in one little studio in London. I get back and set up auditions all over the country. Some of the girls I rated as among the most beautiful women I have ever seen in my world travels. I choose 11 of them and 9 boys. The cast is complete. 
I talk to their parents, familial stuff, behavior, etc. I offer them a mobile school and to educate them for free. Suzette Lesseur, who I had met in 1982, becomes my administrator in my new company, Committed Artists, and we house 20 kids and 7 musicians with the guitarist Douglas Menisi at the Old Plantation Hotel in Fordsburg. Eight months of rehearsal from voice training to movement to actual dance and singing and acting. The result is Serafina. Enjoy it. Quote, Did anyone else spot red flag number two during that walk down memory lane? Here, maybe if you didn't catch it, here it is point blank. Some of the girls I rated as among the most beautiful women I have ever seen in my world travels. He's talk Gama is talking about the young South African students who he auditioned for this show. He says some of the girls I rated as among the most beautiful women. I find that to be a very interesting distinction that we begin by describing them as girls. That's accurate. Yes, they are children, but he describes them as the most beautiful women he has ever seen. I don't like that. That's red flag number two. There's one more coming your way. Other highlights from the Broadway playbill include, I mean, this playbill is... They, they, they do not make playbills like this anymore. This is a goddamn book is what this is. This is a scientific journal. It is thick, it is very long, and there's a lot going on here. So we have an advertisement for Carousel's Mascara featuring a mid-30s Isabella Rossellini. I saw this I saw this model and I thought, that's Isabella Rossellini. I have to do a Google search. Mascara ad, Isabella Rossellini. And... I found it. That's her in her mid-30s. We have an advertisement for the George Hearn, Ron Holgate musical, The Chosen. I never heard of this, which ran off Broadway for six performances. Oh, no. Quoting from the poster, quote, from Chaim Potok's celebrated novel of growing up and growing wise in Brooklyn comes The Chosen, a new musical, quote, all right, uh, I'm very interested to know more about that. I do not believe that got a cast album, although I didn't make sure. Oh no, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> we have an article on the Lincoln Center revival of Anything Goes, along with an interview of its star, Patti Lapone. How about this article? Sing a song of Sondheim. Into the Woods is a cautionary fairy tale for the 80s. How about this headline, Girl's New Guy? Oh, what could this be about? Well, that focuses on the addition of Jim Dale to the cast of Me and My Girl. Passing Stages is a, oh boy, talk about filler. This is a guide to Broadway memorabilia for all of the nerds out there who are looking for Broadway memorabilia. Turn, turn no further, look no further, I should say, to Passing Stages. This feature promotes a book, it's called Shower Show Tunes. And if you can't figure out what it's all about, here, here's, the, here's the plug for it. This appropriately waterproof book it's a waterproof book. Contains the lyrics of 11 show tunes, only 11, by such masters as Rogers and Dammerstein, the Gershwins, Lerner and Lowe, and Jerry Herman. Included, of course, are the lyrics to I'm Gonna Wash That Man Right Out of My Hair. Sounds like a positively awful gift. Here you go, shower show tunes. It's waterproof. Get that out of my face. Well, <laughs> I mean, then we have Broadway Mother Goose. 
This is just, it's like a high school newspaper. Broadway Mother Goose. We have Mother Goose limerick-type poems by Arnold M. Auerbach. A couple of examples of Arnold's work. Here is one. There was an old lady who sat in a box. She rattled her jewelry and ruffled her fox. She gave a performance that drowned out by far the wit of the playwright, the lines of the star. Whoa, how about this one? The Jack Spratts bought seats for cats and paid a hefty price. They said, good show, but for that dough, they should have caught some mice. Please note that in the actual playbill, the phrase, they should have, is written out as, the should have, the should have caught some mice. You had one job, Arnold M. Auerbach. What the fuck are we paying you for? I followed up my examination of the playbill with a viewing of the 1988 Tony Awards performance of Serafina and Freedom is Coming Tomorrow. It is introduced by Angela Lansbury, who I now realize is the whitest woman to ever live. <laughs> She is wearing a crazy dress as she introduces this. I'm sure that I've seen her introduce the other shows we've talked about from this nominee set. I should be used to the crazy black and gold dress she is wearing, but wowzers, it's like she's coming off of a spaceship. And I, I should emphasize, in regards to this Tony Awards performance, the cast is incredible, and they have an incredible sense of chemistry. They seem to really have a true blue, palpable love for one another. Uh, th there's a whole moment where Serafina and Crocodile, the characters, are dancing alongside each other, and the joy is just undeniable. It is so, oh, I, I could watch that all day. And then finally, I watched the 1992 motion picture, Serafina, the film version of the musical directed by Daryl Root and written by William Nicholson. It stars Whoopi Goldberg and Broadway cast members Leti Kumalo, Dumasani Delamini, and Nihalana Nagema. There are many reasons why I feel the Oscars are a sham. One of them, and I don't mean to deny the joy that people feel that when they, when they win those awards, but as a foundation, as an institution, I do feel that it is a sham. And one of the reasons I feel that way is uh, the fact that Laleti Kumalo was not nominated for her performance in this film as the title character, Serafina. She played the, she played the fucking character on Broadway, but the way that she plays it in the film is just crazy. Kumalo is brilliant, fully formed from the moment she appears on camera, and I'm happy to report she is working to this day. Additional credits include Cry the Beloved Country, Hotel Rwanda, Invictus, Winnie Mandela, and one thousand and eight episodes of the soap opera Imbewu the Seed. One thousand and eight episodes. That is so many episodes. I, I love it. Kumalo is astounding in a third act interrogation scene. That scene blew me away, but I won't soon forget her acting throughout the Freedom is Coming Tomorrow sequence. There is one particular shot where, in the middle of this complex dance routine, Kumalo's face conveys a deep sense of worry. You see that shift in her face? And that stands in sharp contrast with the number's confident messaging. I'm telling you, if you have not seen this picture, you have to make it a priority for her. How about what Goldberg, is she any good? You're asking? Are you kidding me? She's fantastic. Do you really need me to sell you on a Whoopi Goldberg performance? Come on now. Come on now. She was in her prime. This is the 90s we're talking about. It's it's all good. It's all good. Director Daryl Root and cinematographer Mark Vicente are filming the absolute hell out of this movie, by the way. Sweeping helicopter shots, entire sequences of chaos and violence that take hold of the heart and refuse to let go. Are there long periods of time when the movie 
movie seems to forget it's a musical? Yes, but I knew coming in this would probably be a loose adaptation of the stage musical. The musical is very big, very theatrical in its delivery. The movie is much more naturalistic in terms of the performances. And considering that the movie itself is a bold and vital interpretation of the stage show, what would be the point of my complaining, okay? So we lost a few songs. So what? It's a great movie. Oh, before I forget, here's red flag number three. Our old friend, Bongani Gama, appears in the film. He's in the movie. Who does he play? He plays a corrupt constable named Sabella. And Sabella's whole thing, his deal, is that he wants to have sex with Serafina. That's the role you accepted, Gama, a sadistic pervert who gets burned alive, spoiler alert, by the children he terrorized. You wrote a hell of a show, Gama, don't get me wrong, but Christ in heaven above, something here stinks. <laughs> two minds when it comes to the title number, Serafina. On the one hand, the music and vocals are, uh, they are absolutely brimming with jubilance, obviously. I enjoy the snap, crackle, and pop of the repetition. Serafina! Serafina, 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 Serafina. I love that. I love it. The 1987 Johannesburg cast recording puts a lot of emphasis on the F in Serafina. They say, I love you, Serafina. I love you, Serafina. I really like that. I can imagine the performers physically leaning into that letter, Fina. Fina. So the music and vocals are stellar. Sure, they express a communal four-quadrant love for our hero because literally everyone in the company is singing about her. They all love her. Yes, I get that. The lyrics, by contrast, are clearly meant to read as fairly sexual, uh, very much tied to the male gaze. To quote those lyrics, quote, Serafina, when you talk the way you talk, my body temperature begins to rise. Serafina, when you walk the way you walk, perspiration commenced to cover me, flowing down me body. Serafina, Serafina, please don't run away from me. Love you, Serafina. I love you, Serafina. Quote. It's one thing for an amorous character like Crocodile. He likes Serafina. It's one thing for him to sing about his desire for Serafina. He likes Serafina. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't buy the idea that these lyrics reflect a class-wide sentiment. You're telling me every member of Serafina's class breaks out into a sweat when she walks on by? 
The constable from the movie, Sabella, that character Gamma chose to play. Now that guy, I can see breaking into a sweat when he sees Serafina. Gamma wrote these lyrics about a teenage girl and chose to play a pervert in a movie. It stinks like fish, is what, is what I... It's what I am saying to you. Amazon's closed captions for the film are an insult, full stop. There is not a word of the song, Serafina, that is not delivered in English. A lot of the songs are in, uh, I believe, the Zulu language or a combination of Zulu and English. But Serafina is completely presented to us in English, yet there are several moments via the Amazon upload when the captions summarize entire lines as singing in native language or singing in distinctly. Motherfucker, they're singing in English. Stop being a lazy racist piece of shit and think about the people who really need these captions. And when you're done with that, you can go fuck yourself. I hate that crap. I really do. Oh, uh, I don't know what they're saying. Uh, they're singing in a native language. No, it's English. These are English closed captions that I'm utilizing. Uh, for God's sake, fucking grow up. Do the work. We have to begin the day with the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. One, two, three, four. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
I'm not sure if this has come up in the past. I, I bet it has. But if it has, uh, I, uh, you'll have to forgive me. But I was raised Catholic, okay? I attended church and Sunday school every week until I graduated from high school. So I do not exaggerate when I say I have recited the Lord's Prayer no less than a thousand times. And it was it was a true recitation, let me tell you. The sort of Catholics I grew up with had no time or interest in naked, unbridled reverence. No, 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 no. You simply got the words out and moved on with your life. And if you were lucky, you got to sneak out the back a few minutes early and make a break for the local Walmart. We've got shit to do, God. We're Catholics. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Ah, ah! The musicians and cast of Seraphina reject this mechanical, transactional, slate-gray approach to the Lord's Prayer. They have turned the Lord's Prayer into something worth caring about, an eye-opening a cappella choral arrangement that eventually transitions into an all-out groove fest. Raise yourself up by getting down. Yes, yes, a hundred times yes. And if you were not aware of my status as a white person, well, you know it now. Can you imagine the moment when I actually wrote down the phrase, raise yourself up by getting down? Oh, no. The whitest thing I have ever said out loud. Ever, ever. Maybe. I'm sure. Maybe I've said something more white than that. But I don't know. <laughs> Next song, please. Children of God, what has happened to these children is not the unusual. The nation is in the grave. The nation is blowing in the wind. America and Britain have sold too many guns to the South African government to kill our children.
Like the rest of the Broadway cast, Tandani Mavambella utilizes a steady, patient, and hyper-articulate style of delivery. When he appears within the number Give Us Power as a priest of Soweto, there can be no mistaking the character's intent. He is spelling it out for us, stretching out those words vowel by vowel, consonant by consonant. The police are killing and will continue to kill our children. The police are funded by the South African government. The American and British governments supply South Africa with guns that are given to the police so they can kill our children. I like how the priest is more than willing to rail against what is happening around him. Another servant of God might advise their parishioners to turn the other cheek and focus on the rewards of the afterlife, but this guy doesn't have time for that shit. Anyone who sees what he sees and dies without trying to improve things for the people they leave behind does not deserve a pleasant afterlife. They deserve an eternal void, at least. Uh, I'm, maybe I'm just speaking from my own perspective here. I don't mean to put words in the priest's mouth, but I think the priest's character would, uh, would agree with me. I want to hear a little bit of the instrumental track, Excuse Me Baby. Can we play it? Oh, let's play that. because I wanted to uh, give a shout out to all of the members of the Broadway Orchestra, the band. On keyboards, we have Amos Matimbe and Eddie Matimbe. On trumpets, we have Makate Peter Mafolo and Ray Malefi. Lead guitar is Douglas Meany, drums Bruce Mwandla, and on bass we have Samanga Nihabella, okay? I think that I think that this arrangement, this this band piece is fucking fantastic. What can I say? It's a real goddamn fun, good, good, good goddamn time. <laughs> I don't like how he cusses. Well, what sometimes I'm just I'm just reduced to cussing. What do you want from me? Alright, the next number we are going to hear from is Mama. Patty, Benny, may we hear a bit of Mama, if you please?
portion of Mama is giving me a real Vangelis vibe, which I say nearly every time I hear that sort of tinny outer space tone. Ooh, it's giving Vangelis, I dare say. And on a broader note, the orchestrations are definitely Bacharach adjacent, right? Am I right? Ooh, it's giving Bacharach, I dare say. Now, the screaming does not give Vangelis or Bacharach. No, no, the screaming makes my blood run cold. The black students of South Africa marched through hell in search of better lives, and to hear these performers express that pain is overwhelming. Remember, you have to remember, these are actual students playing students. They are revisiting and recreating actual trauma that they experienced in South Africa, the trauma that was experienced by their predecessors. So it's very powerful stuff. It was always like that in our school. Oneness in Boomba. Those days went down bitter and sore with the presence of the army and the police. Not only in our schoolyard, right inside our classrooms. Those were the days of anger. The days of panic and fear. The days when our brothers and sisters disappeared into the police cells. 
others came back. And others never came back. We were told others hung themselves in the police cells in detention. And others fell in the showers and died. And again, we were told others tried to escape by jumping from the 10th floor interrogation room at John Foster Square, maximum security prison. Their bones were found scattered. Scattered. Their bones were found scattered in the streets of Johannesburg. And others are languishing in trains. Others never recovered from the electric shocks of the interrogation room. Up to this day, they are lunatics. My thoughts on so many of the Serafina numbers begin and end with me sort of, well, sometimes, as I said, <laughs> I devolve into cussing, but other times I sort of stare into the middle distance and I think, well, I mean, my God, how many Broadway companies can produce this, a sound so bright and sharp and emotionally authentic? The musical spirit of this number, Aziwe, conveys a desire to maintain balance in the face of a world that has come undone. This is my interpretation, of course. This is how I interpret the song. It is delivered by students who have been imprisoned and may never again see the light of day. Some were released, some were not. Some died in the prisons, okay? And if they do not sing, if they do not fill the air with something other than the stench of death and the sounds of despair, they could easily lose themselves. The number is informed by sadness, yes, but it promotes sustainability, steadiness, a rolling wave that might take you somewhere better if you can just hold on.
Goodbye, the number Goodbye, sees Mistress It's a Pity laying down an honest-to-God pop single worthy of Diana Ross or Donna Summer, a combination of raw vocals and funky lounge music that is pretty darn compelling. The Mistress is on her way to prison at this point in the show. At least, I think she is. You'll notice during my plot summary I didn't mention the Mistress going to prison. I could be wrong. It drives me nuts how there isn't a really substantial granular A to Z breakdown of Serafina's plot somewhere on the internet. But to my point, we do the best that we can. It stands to reason that the mistress would not go out on a whimper. No, this woman is a totemic figure to her students, and she knows an 11 o'clock number is the only way to go out. I may not know exactly how the stage version of Serafina handles Mistress It's a Pity, but I can tell you this about the movie. Whoopi Goldberg's mistress is taken away, and she does not come back. We are told the mistress killed herself by leaping from a window, but there's no way of knowing if this is true. It is most likely not true. I was foolish enough to believe the mistress would be reunited with her students at the end of the movie, but that most definitely did not happen because, as Colgate tells us, a lot of people do not come back. The cast sounds particularly seasoned here in this number. Olithi achieving a beautiful delicacy, a warmth that soothes the soul. Would I like to see a South African a cappella choir perform live? Yes. Absolutely. The thought had never struck me before listening to these albums, but if they, if, if that choir sounds half as good as this cast of young people, I would not hesitate. The last clip that I want to play is the reprise of Freedom is Coming Tomorrow. You would have heard the initial iteration of that right at the top of the show, but I love it so much I want to play the reprise for you. Do you mind? Of course you don't mind. Okay, let's play that now.
Thank you so much, Patty and Benny. That's all I have to say regarding the score of Serafina. It is now time to hear from our fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. Top, yes. Hello. What do you want? Well, I, I just was worried that I, I hadn't seen you in a while, and I thought I'd, I'd invite you over for a cup of five, six, seven, eight coffee. Oh, oh. You know what? That, that that's okay. I, no, I'm, no, no. It's fine. I, I've got the can right here. I can I can whip us up a couple of. Wait a minute! Someone drank all the coffee. There's no grounds in this can. Ah! Who who did this? Who who will Henry get out here? Oh, oh, me. What, what, what's going on? Why is everybody yelling at me? Did you drink all of this coffee to cope with your sadness? Your depression? Huh? Well, of course I'm sad. Of course I'm depressed. Who isn't? But, but no, I swear, I didn't do it. Uh, hey, hey. I think I know who drank the coffee. I bet it was Marguerite. Marguerite, get the get out here. Yes. <laughs> what what what's going on? Why is everyone yelling? I was trying to get my forty-six hours of beauty rest. Uh, let me take off my little sleep mask with my tiny plastic hands. Why are you yelling at me, horrible Henry? I was just about to say that I think you drank all the coffee. Drink all the coffee, dum dum. Why would I do that, dum dum? Well, because it makes you feel young again. It gives you the spark, the juvenile, the rejuvenating qualities that you need to feel like a young woman, as opposed to a big old lady. <laughs> oh, really? That's how you feel? You think I drink coffee to feel young? Well, that's why you're so stupid, horrible, Henry. I'll have you know that I don't touch the stuff. No, no, no. It makes me far too jittery. But I do know someone who does like five, six, seven, eight coffee. Reynardo the fox! Reynardo, get the fuck out here! Mm, yes, what's going on? It's me, Reynardo the fox. I was just having my little suit pressed. <laughs> well, why, why is everyone screaming so much? I love drama. Is someone in trouble? Yes. Ooh, well, tell me, tell me. Yeah, someone's in trouble, and it's you, Reynardo. You stole the coffee because you stole everything. You steal everything. Just admit it. Just admit it. Yeah, for God's sake, for the sake of peace and prosperity here at the carnival. Please, Reynardo. <laughs> You're making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Admit it! Do you see what you've done? You've made horrible Henry cry, and there's nothing I hate more than seeing that big idiot cry. Oh, and now I'm beginning to cry. My makeup is running out. Oh, my wrinkles. Oh, I feel so old. I need five, six, seven, eight coffee. I admit it. I love it. I want it. I need it. Oh, Renato, we hate you. Mm, yes, you do. Well, I don't doubt that. I, I do steal. I steal hearts. I steal jewels and such. But I I have to tell you, no, I did not steal the coffee. I'm just a little fox with pointy ears and a tiny suit. All I need is a little pinch every now and then of that coffee. I wouldn't steal the whole thing. No, no, no. I love you all very much, don't you know? We're all a family. I would never hurt you in such a way. Well, then who did it? Who stole the coffee? Uh, Carrot Top, if, if I may just uh, interrupt here real quick. Yeah, Willie, what is it? I, I just, I, I hate to admit this, especially after all of the yelling, but... Uh, <laughs> 
We, we, uh, Paul and I, we, we finished off the coffee. We, we polished it off. We were having a nice little date behind the Ferris wheel, and he, he invited me to have the coffee, and that, that's why there's no more coffee. Do you understand, Kiratop? Uh, can you forgive me? Well, of course we can forgive you, Lily. Of course, without hesitation. You're our best friend, Lily. We care about you so much. Don't we, horrible Henry? Uh-huh. We sure do. Don't we, Marguerite? Oh, yes, dear. We very much care for you. <laughs> Isn't that right, Renato? Yes, yes, very much so, dear girl. In fact, we care for you so much that we're going to teach that Paul a lesson. Yes, we're going to make sure that he never polishes off the coffee again. Let's go, everyone. Let's take care of Paul if you get my drift. Guys, what are you going to do? What are you... No, don't. Where, where are you going? Don't worry, Lily. We'll take care of Paul. We'll take good care of him. Someone's in trouble. Final thoughts regarding Serafina. I feel we need a revival of Serafina today. Are you listening? New York City Center, how have we not produced an encore's concert of Serafina? This show is teetering on the edge of a complete obscurity, and that blows my mind. I, I, I guess I should really only speak for America, because I never hear of any regional productions of Serafina. We, we haven't had a revival since the original Broadway production, so what's going on? I mean, the documentary barely exists on YouTube. I, I have to go to archive.org to get, like, an actual copy of the Johannesburg cast album. It's getting too close for comfort is what I'm trying to say. The show is as relevant as it was 35 years ago, so please do not drop the ball on this one, okay? Hello? And I know that you would probably say to me, but Jonathan, you were talking about Mungeni Gema and how he seems like a creep. And yeah, I, he does seem like a creep. I have no doubt that he was. Something stinks. Stinks like fish is what I said, but unless we actually see the fish, I do believe a Serafina revival is in order, okay? So I'm, I'm just going to stick with that for now. The 1988 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was The Phantom of the Opera, and additional nominees from that season were Into the Woods and Romance, Romance. I say that Into the Woods deserves the medallion. Yes, I'm taking it from The Phantom all over again, and I'm handing it to Into the Woods, so there you go. We only have one show left in this set of nominees, Romance, Romance. Ooh, when will we talk about that? I don't know. It's time to rank Serafina against all of the other shows we've discussed here on the podcast, as always, if you want to check out this ranked list of ours, go to twitter.com slash musicalmanpod, access our link tree, you'll find a link to our spreadsheet, and on the second tab of that spreadsheet is our ranked list. Serafina, you shall be placed between Kiss of the Spider-Woman at number 43 and Sunset Boulevard at number 45. So, Serafina, you're number 44. That stands to reason. Yes. I have two pieces of show-related ephemera for you today. The first is Soweto Blues, a song performed by Miriam Makeba and written by Hugh Masakala, the father of South African jazz who, as you may recall, wrote for Serafina. You would most likely know Hugh Masakala for his 1968 version of Grazing in the Grass, but we're not hearing that today. No, we're hearing Miriam Makeba sing Soweto Blues. Let's hear that. Children got 
second piece of ephemera is a little bit silly, but the Broadway playbill for Serafina includes an ad for Calvin Klein's obsession. And so I am afraid we will have to hear this batshit commercial for Calvin Klein's obsession, which I am obsessed with. Let's play that. She was a fever from which I will never recover. All heat and hunger. She inflamed my senses. And when she had devoured my very soul, please, when I had nothing left to surrender, she abandoned me to the wreckage of myself and smiled. In the kingdom of passion, the ruler is obsession. Calvin Klein's obsession. Oh, the smell of it. At famous bar. Oh, the smell of it. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Everything I Have is Mine. Everyone ready? Then away we go. main feed subject was a 2013 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and it ran for 51 performances. Ah, what could it be? What could it be now? It's a Christmas story, the musical. Yes. <laughs> Just in time for, well, it won't be Christmas in July, and it won't be Christmas in December time, but, you know, at a certain point, you gotta talk about a Christmas story, and I would love it if it fell in July or December, but nope, nope. Nope, nope, we gotta talk about it now. And that is actually coming in two weeks because we are starting a brand new Patreon series. Patreon, you say? What's that? Well, go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly Patreon payout is donated to the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. You can donate $1, $3, $5, or $10 a month. $1 a month will get you Monday early access to all main feed episodes. You'll also get a verbal shout-out each and every week. Thank you for donating at least $1 a month. Caroline, Helena, Greg, Andy, Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marcus, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Willie, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. Thank you. $1 a month patrons also get 19 bonus episodes. What are those about? Well, they're all about the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, a review of the trailer for the film Cats, The Little Mermaid Live, the film Cats. We do a full review of that film. Emma at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, Hamilton via Disney+, Plus. Documentary Now, Original Cast Album, Co-op, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, Harlow the Alligator Boy, a review of the trailer for Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, Vivo, the Tony Awards present Broadway's Back, Diana, Annie Live, The Notebook at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, and Beauty and the Beast, a 30th celebration. $1 a month patrons also get season one, that's 12 episodes of Radio Boy, a series for which I check in with myself, via the non-musical theater songs that make me feel more like myself, and all 16 episodes in M3, The Movie Musical Man, a series for which we watch trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by common themes. 
Let's move up to the $3 a month tier, where you get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing, all 10 episodes in the Wildcats Everywhere series, which is dedicated to the high school musical franchise, and a special one-off bonus episode all about Julie and the Phantoms. I mentioned a brand new Patreon series, did I not? Well, it's true. Beginning next Wednesday in the $3 a month tier, we are starting our coverage of TV VIP. The, I should say, I should put that differently. We are beginning this new series, TV VIP. That's what it's called, and it's dedicated to TV musical series. The first subject of TV VIP, in case you forgot, is Schmigadoon. I've had a, I've had more than a few people ask me, Jonathan, are you going to talk about Schmigadoon? The second season is coming up, Schmagago, or however you're supposed to say that. So that's what we're starting TV VIP with next Wednesday, okay? $5 a month will get you everything I've already described, plus you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss here on the podcast. You get seasons one and two, that's 24 episodes of All I Ask of You, a series and advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. Yes, it's true. You get all 14 episodes in our Broadway in Chicago review series, as well as volumes one through five of Shout About It, these are compendiums, collections, if you will, of five, six, seven, eight coffee ads and musical shoutouts from the first 125 episodes of the podcast. And in our final tier, $10 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed, all 12 episodes in season one of The Snub Club, a series dedicated to Broadway musicals that were not nominated for Best Musical, and all 12 episodes in Turn It Off, a series dedicated to off-Broadway musicals. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, please take a moment to write a five-star review. You can stream the show via Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Patty and Benny. I love you so darn much. I, I miss you. We're going to give each other kisses after the microphone gets turned off. Mwah, mwah. Thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and thank you to Zach Little for our fabulous intro and outro music. Oh, you know what that sound means. Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh, well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off Venus and good night.